Love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D&D adventure. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. Where we produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in podcast form. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Derek Baker. And today we have another slightly bite-sized, more like Big Mac size, but like you take a bite out of it and it's less. Um, you, everyone knows exactly what I mean by that. Um, and by I, that... I this mean- time, <laughs> I actually do know exactly what you mean. It's like, that's good, a little good, bit good. of a bigger burger, but it's not quite the big burger. Exactly. It's a little bit more than usual, but not terribly much. It'll make sense at the end of this episode when you see the time. But for now, we're going to be talking about a really fun game that was my travel game on the Switch for a while. It's on a bunch of different platforms, but that's kind of where I was playing it. And we're going to be talking about the Metrovania-style game, Dead Cells. And this game fits perfectly, I think, within that concept. I love Nintendo Switch games on the road, but they really need to hit a certain point for me to feel comfortable. Something that you could pick up and put down. It's not something you get too invested in when you're out and about. Maybe you're in the car, you're on the train, you're on the bus, you're just Mm -hmm. chilling in between classes or on your way to work. Whatever it is you're doing on your lunch break, you want something that you can just kind of hop into, play for a while, then take a break and not have to think too much about it. I think Dead Cells hits that perfectly. Cool. So for those of you who don't know, we're going to kind of break it down and give you the old Big Mac treatment. (laughs) So... Dead Cells is a 2018 roguelike Metrovania game published by independent game studio Motion Twin. The game was released for Linux, Mac OS, Microsoft Windows, Nintendo Switch, PS4, and Xbox One on August 7th, 2018. A mobile port for iOS was released on August 28th, 2019, and an Android port was released on June 3rd, 2020. In the game, the player takes the role of an amorphous creature called the Prisoner. As the prisoner, the player must fight their way out of a diseased island in order to slay the island's king. The player gains weapons, treasure, and other tools through exploration of the procedurally generated levels, using them to fight various mutated creatures. Dead Cells uses a permadeath system, causing the player to lose all items and other currencies each time the player dies. Production of Dead Cells began after Motion Twin planned development for a follow-up to their previous browser game, Die Tonight. Inspirations for the game included Team Fortress 2, The Binding of Isaac, and the Dark Souls series. After release, Motion Twin supported the game with several updates and expansions. The game received positive reviews from critics, who praised its combat style and level design, with specific praise being directed towards the randomized levels and weapons. By March 2021, the game had sold 5 million copies. 
So let's talk a little bit about the studio. Of course, we're talking about Motion Twin. The company, although known to the public for its browser games in Flash, is at the origin of various tools and programming languages, which it uses for its own developments and which it makes available under a free license. Under the impetus of one of its co-founders, Nicholas Canas, the Bordeaux company is, for example, at the origin of the MTASC compiler for Motion Twin ActionScript 2 compiler, the first free ActionScript 2.0 compilers. Hacks, a technology considered to be the successor to the MTASC compiler, also invented and developed by Motion Twin, is a cross-platform language that makes it possible from a single standardized language to compile the same source file by targeting different platforms such as JavaScript, Flash, NicoVM, PHP, or C++. This language was the subject of a book, Professional Hacks and Nico, by Franco Ponticelli and L. Nicole Silvest, released in 2008 by John Wiley and Sons. Motion Twin has also developed its own virtual machine called Nico. Nico is both a high-level, dynamically typed programming language whose source files, once compiled, can be run on the Nico VM virtual machine. The company is also the initiator of various libraries for the OCaml and PHP programming languages. She is thus at the origin of the SPOD library, which allows persistence within a PHP environment. The company initially gained notice through the release of games such as Hammerfest, My Brute, Mush, Die Tonight, Alpha Bounce, and the social game platform Tonoid, and now has a community of 15 million registered users. Since the development of Dead Cells, Motion Twin neglected Tonoid with all of its games leading to a strong decline of players. As of yet, the future of the platform with all of its games is unknown, although it has been said that the games will not be updated following Adobe Flash Player's end of life, which was announced for the January 1st, 2021, leading to the likelihood of extinction of the platform. However, a group of fellow players have decided to save Twinoid's games and created a platform called Eternal Twin. With Motion Twin's consent, which aims to recreate as many games as possible without using Adobe Flash Player. Thus, those who still want to play after Flash Player's end of life, they are able to. All games developed by Motion Twin, with the exception of Dead Cells, can be accessed and played for free with some games, including a premium option, subscription items, which creates revenue for the company. In 2009, the company had a turnover of 4 million euro. So, overall, this to say, like, this company started out as kind of a Flash game maker, making a couple different proprietary languages, to eventually putting out, like, hey, let's try to do, like, a full release outside of Flash into platforms, and has done really well with it. Dead Cells developer Motion Twin had been developing games for the browser and mobile gaming market since 2001. The studio found that competition in the mobile market required more investment to make profitable games and decided to switch focus to develop what they considered their passion project, a game that was something hardcore, ultra-niche, with pixel art and ridiculous difficulty, that they thought would be a potential risk for gaining player interest. Initially, Motion Twin had set out to make a follow-up to their browser game, Die Tonight, which was a cooperative tower defense game for up to 40 players released in 2008. For most of the game, players could work together to form defenses around a town, and then during the game's night phase, wait to see if the town survived waves of attacks by zombies. 
Motion Twin wanted to have improved the sequel by allowing players to take actions and fight during the night phase, while also implementing free-to-play mechanics. While this version worked well with a large number of players, Motion Twin found it was not very exciting for single players. In 2014, they stripped down the game to a single-player experience between preparation and combat and took it to an event called the Big Indie Pitch, where the idea came in second place in a contest. Motion Twin then decided to remove the preparation phase and focus the game around constant action. The process of figuring out how to keep and work with combat elements took a year up through the end of 2015. To tighten the gameplay, Motion Twin took inspiration of the Engineer character class from Team Fortress 2, where the use of turrets and other buildable items helps to strengthen the character's abilities, and remade Dead Cells into an action platform game where the player used weapons along with a variety of skills, including some elements that had developed for the tower defense approach. They did not want players to get used to having a single weapon or skill combination that they used indefinitely, and arranged the roguelike elements to require the player to try out new combinations of weapons and skills as they progressed. Motion Twin's producer, Steve Philby, cited The Binding of Isaac as a significant influence, highlighting its player-determined and item-driven gameplay. To give the player enough options, the developers crafted about 50 different weapons avoiding having too much duplication in how each weapon worked so that there would be unique gameplay possibilities with each. The team used an iterative process in gameplay, graphics, and art so that each of these weapons also exhibited unique animations or behaviors. Motion Twin opted to use Steam's early access approach to both gauge player interest and to obtain feedback on game features and the balance from procedural generation. The team feared the stigma around any games at the time, fueled by industry speculation of an indie apocalypse, where too many indie games would have caused a collapse of the video game market around 2015, an event which never occurred. Motion Twin did not want to release too early within early access, and made sure the first version available, while only about 30-40% to 40% complete, had tight combat and gameplay controls that players would appreciate. This allowed the team to address balance issues as the developers did not want to punish players for a specific style of play and used feedback to address this. This allowed them to design short combat encounters and assured that maneuvering within the game's levels itself was not a challenge to the player. Motion Twin planned for the game to spend about a year in early access before its full release, during which time the content was created and incorporated after player feedback on both bug reports and feature suggestions. Lead designer Sebastian Bernard estimated that 40 to 50% of the features in the final game were drawn from feedback during early access. Dead Cells is a 2D side-scrolling roguevania, a combination of procedurally generated roguelike games and action exploration-based Metroidvania games. The player controls the prisoner, an amorphous creature that can possess human corpses. The prisoner explores a fictional island infested with mutated monsters, which must be traversed so the prisoner can kill the island's king. When the player dies, they lose all weapons and upgrades obtained in a playthrough, excluding a few permanent items. Weapons primarily include swords, bows, shields, and placeable traps that harm enemies that come near them. The prisoner can move across the ground to engage in melee combat or can use ranged weapons and traps to harm enemies from a distance. 
The prisoner can dodge across the ground to avoid the attacks of enemies or jump over the attacks. Dodging into an enemy's space allows the prisoner to move through them and attack from behind. When falling from a height, the prisoner can slam into the ground, allowing them to hit enemies and stun them, or allow the prisoner to fall from heights without getting stunned themselves. The game's combat is comparable to the Dark Souls series, with difficult enemies possessing certain behaviors the player can learn, and where frequent player character death is a fundamental part of the game. As they explore a series of dungeon levels and fight the creatures within, the players can collect an in-game currency called cells from defeated enemies. Cells can be used to purchase permanent items such as potions that restore hit points or additional weapons that may be randomly obtained during a playthrough. These cells must be spent at the end of a dungeon section. If the player dies before then, they lose all collected cells. Blueprints can be collected from inside dungeons, which must be taken out of the dungeon to be collected. Collecting blueprints allows for more weapons and items to be purchased from shops. Levels are procedurally generated by the merging of pre-designed sections in a random configuration, creating dungeons with many different placements of enemies and items. Between dungeons, the player can obtain a limited number of mutations, upgrades which grant unique bonuses to the prisoner's capabilities that last until the player dies. The player can reforge weapons during this time, giving the reforged weapons new effects during combat. Inside the dungeons, the player can find hidden power scrolls, which increase the prisoner's hit points and increase the damage of weapons depending upon the tool's classification of brutality, tactics, or survival. The player can also find multiple permanent upgrades called runes, which allow for new methods of travel in the game's levels. Runes can be obtained by defeating powerful elite enemies, which are located inside the game's levels. Each upgrade requires the previous rune in order to obtain the next one. Now we talked about a little bit, but the overall premise of the game is taking place on an unnamed island, and you as the player character are the prisoner a gelatinous creature capable of possessing dead bodies located in the depths of the island. While the head of the prisoner is immortal, the bodies it possesses are not, and dying will force the head to return back to the prisoner's quarters to find another corpse. The prisoner is mute, limiting their interactions with NPCs to a series of bodily motions that they display. The player is also occasionally shown the thoughts of the prisoner through dialogue boxes. And as far as the story, the prisoner awakens in the depths of the island's prison, suffering from amnesia. A soldier encounters the prisoner and mentions that they can no longer die. The prisoner then tries to escape the prison, but their head is forced back to the depths as soon as its body is destroyed. Between subsequent escape attempts, the prisoner learns that the island was once a mighty kingdom that fell when a plague known as the Malays transformed most of the kingdom's citizens into mutated monsters. After escaping the prisoner's quarters, the prisoner decides to kill the island's reclusive king, believing that his death will allow the prisoner to escape the island. While leaving the quarters, the prisoner meets with the Collector, a hooded figure that trades cells in exchange for items and weaponry. After fighting through the island's malaise-infected locales, the prisoner reaches the king's throne room and succeeds in slaying the comatose king. However, the king's corpse violently explodes in the process, destroying the prisoner's host body. The prisoner's head crawls out from the burning fragments of the destroyed throne. It tries to escape the island by exiting through a fountain's drain. The drain instead leads back 
to the prisoner's quarters, where the resurrected prisoner ponders the consequences of the king's death. Handling the music for the game, though not part of the cooperative, is Johan Lauland, freelance game composer, guitarist, and synth lover. Lawland's musical awakening mainly seems to have happened in his mid-teenage years. Quote, I started music in high school, when I first had a music-making and guitar setup. I played in bands with friends, etc., but had forgotten how to read sheet music since I was a child. Later on, I got interested in computer-made music and bought my first digital audio workstation, Ableton Live, which I still mainly use to this day. Lawland left the traditional music theory of childhood music lessons behind him. Quote, when I make music, it's more of a spiritual thing. I just try to translate a feeling I have. That's not to say that his approach currently based on the -the in-the-box digital instruments for time and budget reasons is unstudied. Quote, I find it fun to listen to classical music and recreate various types of orchestration and patterns. A favorite composer of his is Igor Stravinsky, particularly the famous La Secret des Printeps, a.k.a. The Rite of Spring. If you've ever seen Disney Fantasia, it's the one with the dinosaurs. With, quote, I'm particularly fond of his rhythmic work, and I love it when there's a lot of brass. It's really powerful. Another favorite is Czech composer Antonin Dvorak, especially the powerful and melodic fourth movement of his Ninth Symphony, The New World. When it comes to getting into video games, Lawlin recalls, for me, working on video games started in 2012 during my first game jam which was with Matthew Looping, Captegel, who would go on to co-develop Dead Cells. I was introduced to Motion Twin in 2014, when I took part in another game jam, Laudum Dare 30, with Thomas Cardis Vassur, one of the graphic designers of the company. Our game, Schrodinghost, ended up quite high in the rankings, so he asked me to make some music and sound for a different project, Dead Cells. One of the main instruments used on the Dead Cells soundtrack is the guitar, something Lalin had established when he first worked on it back in 2014 by using his six-string for absolutely everything, including bass and percussions. Later on, he changed tack slightly. Quote, it's mostly a melodic approach on the guitar, rather than big chords, more folkish. For time's sake, I mostly use plugins as well, so I was working on refining a more specific sound than a straightforward guitar sound. And that's why there's some mandolin mixed in there. I would have loved to record more live guitar as well as other instruments, but it was a tight window of time between when I rejoined the project and the early access launch five months later. I had to produce a lot of tracks and do all the sound design as well. So one of the main things I had to put aside was the use of live instruments. Now, the early access period was launched on May 10th, 2017, with support from Microsoft Windows and was released on macOS and Linux versions in early access on June 26, 2018. In November 2017, the game was released on GOG.com as part of their drive to provide an alternate way to purchase games that are in development. In January 2018, Motion Twin announced their plans on console development for the Nintendo Switch, PS4, and Xbox One, with the release predicted in August 2018 to correspond with the Windows version leaving early access. Motion Twin does not anticipate creating a sequel, and instead focuses on adding a robust modding system for the personal computer versions to allow players to expand the game following release. Dead Cells was released on August 7th, 2018 for PC, Xbox One, PS4, and Nintendo Switch. 
Retail editions available for purchase were released in August 2018. The base game included Twitch integration at launch, allowing viewers via the stream's chat to influence the game, such as voting for which power scroll weapon class option the player should take. Motion Twin released a free downloadable content update to the game called Rise of the Giant in mid-2019. The developers announced plans to port the title to mobile devices running iOS and Android, modifying the game's interface to support touch controls as well as remote controllers. The iOS version was released on August 28, 2019, and the Android version was released on June 3, 2020. The game's first paid DLC, The Bad Seed, was released on February 11, 2020, adding two new biomes, as well as a boss for early game content. The new content included weapons, enemies, and game mechanics. On the same day, a new physical package for the game, the Prisoner's Edition, was announced for PS4 and Nintendo Switch, which, in addition to the game and DLC, includes the soundtrack, an art book, and a figurine of the player character. A second paid DLC expansion, Fatal Falls, was released on January 26, 2021. It adds two new levels, eight new enemies, seven new weapons, and a boss. On that same date, we had the Fatal Seed Bundle, which was released and contains the base game and all three DLCs. Around January 2019, Motion Twins started work on their next title while still developing Dead Cells. When they expanded by hiring more developers, Motion Twin wanted to keep Dead Cells' development team to between 8 to 10 people in order to stay a manageable worker cooperative. The team then spun off a new studio called Evil Empire to help co-develop the game. Motion Twin released a free update on September 16, 2021, titled Practice Makes Perfect, which added a training room, world map, and many other quality of life changes. A free Everyone is Here update on November 22, 2021, introduced character skins and mechanics based on characters from other indie games as guest characters. These games included Hyperlight Drifter, Guacamelee, Curse of the Dead Gods, Blasphemous, Skull, the Hero Slayer, and Hollow Knight. For example, a character outfit based on the Drifter can be gained as well as the Drifter's Blaster as a weapon. Celebrating the 20th anniversary of Motion Twin, the developers revealed the final DLC called The Queen and the Sea, which was released on January 7, 2022. Another free content update, Break the Bank, released in March 2022, and the update added a new level that can be randomly encountered while playing, which grants the player an opportunity to earn significant sums of gold. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
So let's talk a little bit about some of those DLCs. The Rise of the Giant downloadable content expands the plot of Dead Cells, providing the game with alternative endings. The prisoner gains access to a new area of the island, the cavern, which houses a titanic undead giant. Upon his defeat, the giant reveals that the prisoner is actually the king himself and blames him for the destruction of the kingdom. After defeating the final boss, the prisoner can collect boss cells, in-game modifiers that are used to increase the difficulty of the game. If the player collects all five boss cells and reaches the throne room, they're able to gain access to an additional level called the Astrolab. At the top of the Astrolab, the prisoner meets the collector. He tells the prisoner that he has been trading for cells in order to create the Panacea, the ultimate cure for the malaise. Upon producing the Panacea and drinking it, the collector goes mad and attacks the prisoner. The prisoner manages to ingest some of the Panacea before the collector's defeat, which causes their host body to disappear. Disappointed with the Panacea, the head returns to the quarters to possess another corpse. When the prisoner reaches the throne room again, they discover that the king's body has reappeared undamaged. The head of the prisoner abandons its host body and attaches to the king's, restoring the prisoner's memories and allowing him to speak. However, the king's body is infected with the malaise, and he continues to the astrolab to face the collector. This time, upon the collector's defeat, the panacea cures the king and binds his body and soul, causing the head to cease to exist. The king returns to his throne, where he is confronted by a lookalike of the prisoner intent on slaying him. The king and the lookalike battle each other in a duel. And we also have the queen in the sea, which was DLC that added three additional levels to the game, as well as an alternate ending. The prisoner finds a letter inviting them to a meeting in the sewers beneath the prison. When the prisoner arrives, they meet an aquatic creature called the Fisherman, who offers them a way to escape the island through the kingdom's lighthouse. After the prisoner finds the lighthouse key and meets the Fisherman again at the king's castle, the latter uses his boat to take the prisoner to the lighthouse. Inside, the prisoner accidentally knocks over a flaming chandelier, alerting three hostile warriors named Calope. Eutropy, and Cleo. The three chase the prisoner to the top of the now-burning lighthouse, where the prisoner defeats them in combat. The prisoner enters the upper chambers of the lighthouse to light its beacon, but the island's queen reveals herself and challenges them to a duel. The prisoner defeats the queen before throwing her off the lighthouse's balcony, causing a catastrophic explosion that activates the structure's beacon. The prisoner uses the beacon to attract a ship passing by the island. And now, as far as the total reception, about a year from its early access release, Dead Cells sold over 730,000 units and exceeded 850,000 units just prior to its full release. By May 2019, within 10 months of its full release, Dead Cells had accumulated sales of 2 million units. And in March 2021, Dead Cells had sold 5 million copies during the announcement of their last DLC. Dead Cells received positive reviews from critics. The Xbox One version received universal acclaim, and the PS4, PC, Nintendo Switch, and iOS versions received generally favorable reviews, according to review aggregator website Metacritic. Brandon Tyrell of IGN praised the game for its engaging gameplay premise and randomized layout, declaring, 
The placement and order of its levels are Dead Cell's skeletal frame, but the ever-changing layouts and enemy and item placements are the blood that pumps through its heart. The action and combat of Dead Cells received acclaim as distinct, fluid, and agile. Reviewers compared the game to the Dark Souls, Diablo, and Castlevania series due to its difficulty and constantly changing levels, while giving specific praise to the visuals and sound design. The plot of Dead Cells was criticized, with critics calling it lacking and vague. Kirk Hamilton of Kotaku found the story disappointing, stating, Aside from some sparse world-building, the only story here is the story of moving forward, killing things, and gradually getting better at it. Some other reviewers felt that the permadeath system caused earlier levels to become more and more repetitive. Commentators called progression beyond the first few hours as nebulous, and the game's difficulty callous. Chris Carter of Destructoid criticized the repetition, stating, There's those moments where you have a perfect run with all of the items you prefer, then you get to a boss you've never seen before and bam, he smashes you to a pulp. Other critics stated that the permadeath feature was rewarding, as it provided the player with permanent upgrades, the opportunity to experience all of the game's content and gain full knowledge of its systems. Neil Ronigan of Nintendo World Report enjoyed the permadeath feature, saying every run is engrossing and fun, and when I die, the only thought rushing through my brain is to start over and try again, pushing as far past my previous run as I can. And I think that's just a great cap to kind of what Delled Cells offers and what the team had wanted going into this, talking about, hey, we want a really challenging hyper-niche game. And it's what they got at first that expanded out way beyond its borders. And it is so much fun. It, obviously, just dying in any game is frustrating. But when you have a system that's like, hey, we're going to take these cells you've gotten or these unlocks you've gotten, you now have these people in your quote-unquote camp, all the ones that are in the prisoners' quarters with you that you can use to buy upgrades, you can use to increase like your experience you get to increase these things. And it does build that reward system of failing is succeeding in terms of like every time you come back, you can keep adding to what you want to do and change the game up. So, and, and I do also feel for like Chris Carter when he's saying like, yeah, I got like the perfect sword I wanted. I got the shield or the bow. I got mines. I got this, this and that. And then I die. But that's not the game. The game is that, yes, but it's also like expanding out and trying those new things. And like, yeah, it is fun to find like, ooh, I definitely don't prefer to use like throwing things. I definitely prefer to use like the assassin daggers and get behind them or whatnot. So it, it's it's so much fun. And again, it goes back to my point earlier. It is such a good like travel game when you're at the airport or there's like between classes at school. These runs, some will last you a while, but most of them will be maybe like a 10 minute run. 15 minutes and then you can kind of rinse and repeat it and it's it is it is just so much fun and so as always we get to it Derek let people know why did we choose this game and what do you think of it well I think the difficulty is definitely the highlight of this game you know mm -hmm. and, and when they make that comparison to Dark Souls 100% dead on and I, I think you're right there has to be like some sort of mentality difference when you're going to try and enjoy a game like this. You can't go into it and say, well, this game sucks because when I die, I lose all this stuff that I was doing. Like, that's the point of the game. Mm -hmm. Dark Souls 
I have a guide for one of the Dark Souls series, and it starts out at the beginning, just a, a full page, basically, where it's like, you are going to die a lot. That is the point of this game. We wanted a game that was challenging. That's why you're going to die. It's okay. It's normal to be bad at this. It's normal to be good at this and still die a lot. Like, that's the game that we wanted to make. Yep. And so when you understand that and you go and you play a game like that, it's different because, yeah, no one likes dying in video games. It means you're losing in some way, right? But understanding that it's not you just being bad at the game, that the game is hard, I think makes it a little bit less frustrating because there, there's this tendency to where I just... I think in video games where you die a lot, but the expectation is that, you know, you should just kind of be like, like, this is just a normal game, like every other game. You're like, well, it's not. Why didn't you? You should have marketed this to me. When a game tells you up front, like, this is the kind of game that we're making, I could, I could forgive it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I, I personally, I feel a little bit less frustrated by it. So I, I find that difficulty aspect really intriguing. I think that it's something that needs to be explored more in video games. And we're starting to see that where it's higher difficulties that get unlocked after one playthrough. But those those kind of mechanics, you know, they have to work in a way that they don't have to break the game just to make it more difficult for you. You know, shooting you through walls, rubber banding to where you just got to kind of luck into a racing win, you know. Mm -hmm. That's that's sort of a different level of difficulty than I think this kind of game or a Dark Souls game goes for. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. We're we're with this. It it is a fun. It's a Metroidvania. It's a fun arcadey style game. It's dashing. It's jumping. It's you know ground pounding. It's using these different weapons and combinations you can get while also having challenges of trying to beat whatever level you're on a certain amount of time. Kill a certain amount of enemies. Um, find certain secrets. And it, it compiles so much of that and so much of what you want from like an indie game of that nature. And they do, you know, taking on the idea of the Binding of Isaac where you're procedurally generated, all the different items that you can equip for each run are going to be totally different. And so it really adds to that for me as like being more of an old man and like wanting things where it's like, just give me a little bite-sized things. Let me do my thing for a little bit and then I'm good. It's it's the perfect game for that. It's such a great indie game. It's it's going down in the annals of like one of the top indie games that you see a lot of people are emulating, you know, taking that idea of the Dark Souls, but also of the Dead Cells of making these side scrollers, really tough games, making it into bullet heavens and bullet hells outside of that, that are just making these in its own right, a genre of Dark Souls-esque difficulty is what a lot of people really want to go for. And so, yeah, I mean, that's really why, like, I want to include Dead Cells and talk about that is it's such a fun game. It's created, it's taken, I don't know created, but it's taken a lot of cool elements from many different games and has made it their own and made it their own in such a way that makes it so much fun and still has the Dark Soulsian way of telling a story where it's like, yeah, there is stuff happening. Does Alex know what's happening? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> Does Alex care what's happening? Also, not really. I just like the whole gameplay and, and you know, fun elements of it. Well, in this game, I think is a, a great modern answer to the old school side scrollers where mm -hmm. so much of those old school ones was memorization and difficulty because uh, of some of those things that I mentioned where it's just like, 
the game's mechanics are maybe a little wonky and you just got to kind of like work into it. You know, a game like Battletoads, for instance, where mm-hmm. you just got to kind of be ready for the stuff that's going to jump in off screen and hit you like, you know, that's coming. So you're ready for it. A game like this, where it's procedurally generated, you don't really have that benefit. It's harder for the right reasons in that there's a randomness to it. You can't get really comfortable in whatever your loadout is Mm -hmm. because that's a tendency that a lot of games have too, where it's like, I am good at the sword thing. I am not good at trap setting. Well, that's too bad. You got to figure it out. You know, having those distinctions, I think, is a really, really cool thing. I also found it really interesting that this company really trended away from the mobile style of video gaming where they're like, hey, we get this, but we want to do something that's a little riskier when most of the industry, even if they're not developing mobile games, I think are taking away a lot of those same concepts. So to see a company that instead of like trying to work in these little microtransactions is making a game and then putting a lot of thought and care into it and releasing free DLCs is a, a really refreshing thing as well. Yeah, I'd have to absolutely have to agree with that. So Derek, what would you rate this game? Um, for me, I think this game is like an eight out of 10. It is difficult for me to get into, uh, these games that are super, super difficult just because I don't have a ton of time to, to play them. Um, but a great game, I think all around with a really great concept, you don't play side scrolling games like with this art style for the overarching narrative. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't play Super Mario Brothers because I really wanted to find out what happened when I saved the princess. You know, that 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 kind of stuff just wasn't important to me. And maybe it's just a product of growing up from those games. Um, but the the overall narrative in a side scroller kind of game like this just uh, doesn't mean very much to me. But eight out of ten, what about you? Yeah, I, I think it's exactly that. Like I'm playing this for more of the gaming mechanics than it is the overall story. Um, it's again goes down in one of my favorite indie games of all time, up there with The Binding of Isaac, up there with just so many other like quick games that I'm not like basically like single run games or, or permadeath games is really what I enjoy at this moment. Um, so if I had to get a rating, I'd probably give it again the stabby dagger that I love to use out of the one of the first enemies that just kind of like launches at you and he's kind of scary because he's a big zombie kind of guy. Um, probably out of 10. I like it. Research for this episode was done by Alex Kendall and Derek Baker. The intro and outro music for this episode was given to us by our friend Evan Barr and our lovely artwork was provided by Aaron Shattuck. Beautiful people as always and want to thank the beautiful people over on our Patreon. Check us out at patreon.com slash finish the fight where we have some cool physical, digital, emotional, spiritual, cosmotic rewards. I don't know if that's a word, but some of those were true. And I uh, want to thank a few select members today with Snide T-Bird, Nick Hyman, and Anthony Gooch. Thank you so much for your support. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or most likely your favorite podcast listening platform. If you haven't yet, drop us a review. It helps us out a lot. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, you can see us at Twitch. You can see me at twitch.tv slash SourMan70. That is twitch.tv slash S-O-U-R-M-A-N-7-0. As well as Derek over at twitch.tv slash TheBakerMan247. That is Twitch. 
twitch.tv slash the baker man two four seven. And if you don't get enough of us there, you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter. We are also in a free to join discord. The link is in the description below and we would love to see you there. And with that, this has been our coverage of dead cells. Are there any other indie games or some really cool independent studios that you want us to check out? Let us know on our socials, our discords, our pigeon carriers, um, and we will get to you on some of those fun episodes. But with that, as always, I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And I'm your host, Derek, the prisoner of allergies. (laughs) And this has been Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. (laughs) 